The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of The Process. And Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. And now through the end of the year, if you purchase one at that link, Big Barker will donate $50 to the Providence Animal Center. Uh, incidentally, I am at the home of Craig and Craig and his brother Todd donated $1,000 to the Providence Animal Center for me to do the podcast at Craig's house. So uh, I am sitting at a dining room table uh, with five guys who are all wearing earbuds listening to the podcast. So if you hear laughing in the background, uh, that is them. If you don't hear anything in the background, it means the podcast sucks. On the, uh, on the show today, Sixers gave Joel Embiid a night off. And everything ended up okay. Joel Embiid, however, unhappy with, uh, with that situation and how he's being used. We have a good Twitter mailbag. And uh, also, I'm doing the show from Craig's house. Without any further ado, here is Run the Joke. We are the murderous pair. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Welcome to the Rice of Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is not at Craig's house. That is Mike Levin. Morning, buddy. Morning. I'm with, I'm with my friends at the fire station. <laughs> You're always at the fire station. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. People, people. And the other, the other funny part is I walk in and the first thing I see is a can of uh, mead. Uh, and it's 1130 in the morning and everyone at the table is drinking uh, different meads. So what a nice day. It is. What a great day. I, you know, I wanted to kick the show off actually with something uh, non-Sixers-y. I found out, and I thought uh, you might know this. Did you know Andrew Sharp's actual first name is Edward, and that also he hates being called Andy? Like, were you aware of both of those things? I knew both of those things, yeah. So I guess the real, um, the real question is, having, uh, having learned that, is do we call him Eddie from now on, or do we call him Andy from now on? Um, I don't, look. I call people by the name they request. Mm-hmm. Brett. So <laughs> I think it's odd <laughs> for this to be your opening take. Okay. Wow. Wow. That. Well, but okay. That's fair. Okay. I'll I'll drop it and move on. No. Okay. Uh, I, I used to call him Hot Andy Sharp when he was doing like hot takes and stuff. We have a uh, a guy I work with. His name James Seltzer, and we started calling him Jimmy, uh, which he doesn't like. But I found out. Maybe two months later, when uh, John Ritchie started calling him Jamie Seltzer, he got really, really, really angry. And uh, where he's, he dealt with Jimmy, he came into my office uh, like two days after the Jamie thing started. And we had a very serious conversation that yeah. he does not like Jamie, so we stopped it. Um, yeah. it, took, it took all of my might. So um, why don't we do this? The Willie Green five-star Apple podcast review. We're at 2,099 on the way to 3,000. I still haven't done the 2,000 review podcast. This one comes from Tailored Stars. He says, did you know that J.J. Reddick isn't on social media? 
Also, did you know that Spike goes for runs every day and on those runs has deep thoughts about the Sixers and Big Barker dog beds? Five stars. There we go. Um, so they played without Embiid last night. Do you want to do... I, I feel like we should do the game thing and then the Embiid comments thing. Yeah. Finally, look look what happens. They play without Embiid and the fucking team's ruined. How are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my campaign to... Uh, to get him rest, obviously started the, the first inner turmoil of the Jimmy, the, the Jimmy Butler era. Uh, well, I mean, like, look, the having traded for Butler should give them license to do this more regularly. And last night was proof of that, that they can survive a game against a reasonable team without Embiid for like, not that they, they want to do it for two weeks in a row, but a game here and there is not going to kill them. Yeah, and not just Embiid, by the way. JJ should have a day off sometimes. Ben should have a day off. Right. Jimmy should have a day off. He's got those Tibbs legs. Like, get everybody, there's too many games. 82 games, way too many. And the Sixers are going to be playing into May, at least. Mm-hmm. So, take a day here and there. Who well, and I think, I think, too, and we'll get into this when we talk about the Embiid thing, is if everybody else has a day off once in a while, uh, I think that will make it, easier for Embiid to take a day off. Yeah. You know, and that'll, like, I, I don't want to do that part of it now, but I, the, the successful teams have done that. You know, you don't want everyone to be gassed going into the playoffs. And the, you know, the, the Eastern Conference, while, well, not as good as the Western Conference, ha- I think has more solid teams in it than, than people considered would happen. And uh, the playoffs are going to be hard, and I don't think there's going to be any round where anything's going to be easy, especially if the Sixers are a three seed or something like that. So going into that a little bit fresher. You've always been a fresh legs performer. Uh, so. Always. I mean, my, my biggest conspiracy theory is that Markel Fultz has, is just resting. <laughs> when he comes back, he's going to be awesome. Oh, so fresh. All the rest. Uh, the uh, the one thing I didn't expect out of the, the game last night was we finally got the Muscala game. And a, was, and a good Wilson Chandler game. Uh, yeah, which which was obviously a reaction to you saying he was washed. I've yeah. never suggested anything like that, but no. you did on the last pod. And obviously he comes out firing. Yeah. But I think Muscala had like 18 points. He had a couple of really important blocks. Yeah, uh, he is the the thing about Muscala is I do like guys that don't think twice about shooting, and he definitely doesn't think twice about shooting threes. I mean, he's a good shooter, but he does have a pretty quick trigger, um, and I think that's helpful. Yeah, I mean, they looked pretty good as far as 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 being a. A thin team that really, you know, Brett did not want to go. He went to Jonah Bolden for half a second and was like, ah, nah, 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 nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and didn't seem thrilled with Korkmaz either. So it was really like we're going eight deep. Uh, and Amir was in foul trouble and Muscala was in foul trouble. And they just sort of like gutted it out. And uh, I was impressed by a win. And it's not, it's not easy to go up against both Blake and Andre uh, without your best defensive big man. And to come out with a win, even though they had to play uh, Simmons 40 minutes, Jimmy 39, Wilson Chandler 37. I mean, that's that's what you got to do, I guess. But I think impressive, impressive win. They were were the Embiid comments not to had had not happened, then be really just a good good vibes all around. The believe it or not, I don't think we've talked enough about Butler since 
they've traded him. I mean, I think some of it's traded for him. I think some of it is timing. He had the he had the uh, the game winners in like poor timing when we recorded podcasts. I think we recorded one the day before he did it, and one was like three days after. But um, I, I think like his ability to get points on his own too um, so has good. been uh. like. You know, as as good as Embiid is, and as good as Simmons is, we we have not had a wing player. We've mentioned this many times, but a wing player who can just score without doing anything else. Not all of the shots are great, but um, guys who score don't always take the the exact shot you want them to take. He's he was awesome last night and the uh, the last few games. I think he's been really really good. No, uh, I I really love him so much. It's so again we've talked about this. I was talking to. Uh, my buddy about how the Eagles hadn't had like a like a good impact linebacker in forever, like legitimately like just one that could cover all over the field like fucking Van Der Esch and the Cowboys, which is frustrating. Uh, and the, and it's been the same exact length of time, decades since the Sixers had a a good two way wing that could like get his own shot. And it's just so delightful watching him be as dynamic as he is on the court, whether that's driving and like doing it at his own, at his own pace and like decelerating and drawing fouls and, or, or just, I, I'm at the point where I, I don't think I, watching him, I assume every shot's going in. That is, which is not something I usually assume for guys against the Sixers, Jamal Crawford, yeah. never missed yep. a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like those step backs, I'm just like, those are in, that's absolutely in. It's, he's, he's unbelievable. I love him. One of my favorite players. One of my favorite Sixers ever. Already. <laughs> right there. Well, uh, so how do you... I, I didn't see anyone ask him about it after the game. And, uh, like, he didn't wear the headband last night. Is this... Uh, do you think that is what Embiid is angry about? Or I, I don't see any comments as to why he didn't wear the headband. Is that a dismissal of Ben Simmons? I mean, what is this the beginning of the end for the I, good teammate era? I know. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Good, good teammate era is forever. Uh, okay. It could have been, I, I, they should ask him about it, so I'm just speculating, but it could have been like he got a haircut and he wanted to show off his hair or whatever, or he was mm, just tired possible. of wearing it. Mm. Or, I, you know, it did seem, it, it did run the risk of being a little too exclusive. Yep. And it's maybe just like, all right, Ben, if you want to keep wearing the headband, you can. I'm, I think I'm good. Which, um, I'm, which I'm fine with. It was a fun so, era. They're 18 and 9. Got to feel good about it. Why is. They're 18 and 9. I, I have questions about who they've beaten in terms of like, have they. The best teams that they've beaten are the Clippers, the Grizzlies, and now the Pistons, which is not thrilling. Uh, they've lost to Toronto, Milwaukee, and Boston. Uh,. I would like I would like for them to get a couple signature wins that they could hang their hat on, but uh, eighteen and nine with with a tough schedule, at least like travel and amount of games in a short amount of time wise, I, you just got to feel really good about it, especially after you're integrating a guy that's as or you, you lose two contributing players and integrating a guy that is certainly volatile. Well, so before. Uh so one more thing on this game, because you you talked about how many minutes uh, Butler and Simmons and Chandler played, and that is because the uh, the ro- because their their rotation is thin in terms of good rotation players, and everybody, you, me, uh, everybody else included, I, I think even the team has hinted at that this is not the the rotation that we expect going into the playoffs. That there will be another like, key contributor 
or, or two going into the playoffs. I guess I was thinking uh, last night while I'm watching, how does that even, aside from getting lucky on the buyout market, which happened last year, and obviously the Sixers will have minutes to give whoever is on the buyout market, which, which puts them in a better situation than most good teams. I don't really see any other, I don't see, they don't have enough stuff to trade, I don't think, to make that happen. So I was thinking about how that is even going to happen if it doesn't happen on the buyout market, right? Unless they trade for an actual piece, a piece that will be here for the next three years. They find a way to trade for Josh Richardson, or they, they find a way to trade for Otto Porter, whatever they do. Uh, is there a way that they can, do they have enough stuff to trade for something uh, interesting? Because we just saw yesterday, the Bucks had to trade a first and a second for the ghost of uh, George Hill, which I would never want to do. I don't right. want to trade, a, I, don't, I don't care if it's 2021, I don't want to trade a first round pick for George Hill. Right, the, the Bucks actually, they got out from under Different salary, like the John Hanson right. and Delvadova salary, and say, and then end up saving money in the in the future, but uh, so they can open up cap cap space, I think, for next year. But but yeah, that is still a lot. Um, and in terms of a trade market, there's not a lot of guys that you, the Sixers can go. Okay, we can add him for salary and let him and let the rest go, sort of thing. Um, they can always find a trade exception in there somewhere, right? There's always some 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 room. Jonah Bolden and a trade exception. Who the fuck knows? We'll figure it out. Sounds like, if sounds you like make a great, a, if you, great deal. If you want to yeah. make a trade, you can find it. I don't think that I don't think that it's going to be the level of the kind of guy you said, like an auto porter type. I think it's going to be in the uh, not to not to bring use these words uh, because they will if I say them too many times will start to appear in front of me and and miss defensive assignments. But Ilyasova and Bellinelli type signings. Uh, in the buyout market or a little small trade sort of thing. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're adding. And by the way, and this is an, an off-season discussion anyway. Anyone thinks, anyone who thinks they're adding an Otto Porter level salary with a Ben Simmons max deal um, one season away is the, the only year they can really do that without having serious tax implications and having true true trouble filling out the rest of the rosters next year, like before. Before ben, as soon as Ben starts getting paid thirty million dollars, if they have Butler at thirty-eight and Embiid at thirty and Ben at thirty, that's pretty cost prohibitive to adding another twenty-five million dollar guy. You then know? you add so, in our cut. Yeah, yeah. Still waiting for that. Yeah. Still waiting for our cut. All right. Before we get to the Embiid thing, uh, let's talk about. Given that my dog is crying behind me, uh, I did bring Rebel to Craig's house. Uh, he within three minutes pooped on Craig's uh, uh, living room carpet. Oh, so, Craig's carpet. Yep, yeah. <laughs> really welcoming himself, which is a, a good transition to our sponsor, Big Barker Dog Beds. If you buy a Big Barker between now and the end of the year at bigbarker.com slash Ricky, they will donate $50 to the Providence Animal Center, and I will drive over to your house and have Rebel take a crap on your, uh, on your carpet. Um, like we've we've talked about these dog beds. If this is the first time you're hearing about it, I want you to look at the bed that your dog is sleeping in. It's probably a, ch a cheap piece of crap, and if you were to lay on that bed, there's no way you would feel how that feels and describe that as a bed. It's too thin. Uh, the bed is the the dog is basically sleeping on the floor. It's bad for its joints. That's where Big Barker comes in. Um, Big Barker Big Barker provides the proper support for your dog's joints. So as that dog gets older. 
that dog uh, doesn't experience the same sort of symptoms of arthritis that other dogs will. You want your dog to be happy and healthy as long as that dog is alive, and Big Barker helps that happen. Again, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. Oh, and the reason it's called Big Barker, by the way, dogs over 50 pounds, up to 80% of them develop arthritis as they age. There's a Big Barker for every size dog. Rebel is 40 pounds and sleeps on a, I think, a large Big Barker. There's the Big Barker Junior. For smaller dogs, you can hear Colony Mead being opened in the background, which is, we should do this all the time, actually. Um, a 10-year warranty for the Big Barker. The foam won't flatten it all, or they'll replace it for free. You can see, by the way, how supportive the Big Barker is if you go to the Process Pup section of our website. A one-year at-home trial. If you don't like it for any reason, ship it back. They will pay for shipping, a full refund. Handmade in the United States of America. Big Barker dog bed. Woof. It's the first time you've ever done that with other people listening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. The Embiid comments. If nobody has heard them, here are the, uh, here are the comments from Embiid. Also, when were they made? Probably had to be before the game. Yes, before the game. I imagine it was at uh, practice or something or shoot around. That would be my guess is when they were made. Um, he said, and, and by the way, like he said after the... Grizzlies game that he hasn't played well and that he did not play well in that game. So he has done the played like crap thing uh, previous to this game, which he does. He, like, yes, like, uh, turns yep. it on himself a lot. He, with yep. the ball, with the against the Celtics comments, he said, "We always I play like ass against them or something." Yep. Uh, he said, I haven't been myself lately. I think it's mainly because of the way I've been used, which is I'm being used as a spacer, I guess, a stretch five, which I'm only shooting 29% from three-point range. But it seems like the past couple games, like with the way I play, are set up. Uh, Brett Brown always has me starting on the perimeter, and it just really frustrates me. My body feels great, and it's just that I haven't been playing well. We sometimes have to space the floor. A lot of time, actually, with the way our plays are set up, I tend to spend a lot of time on the perimeter, so it's an adjustment. Since the trade, it's been really down. Um, he, that, that means Embiid hitting, uh, hitting shots. I tend to get triple teamed a lot. I was in the flow of the offense. I feel like I'm not anymore. There's not a lot of possessions on the block. I don't know. We got to figure it out. And then Brett Brown was asked about it, and he said uh, about the connection to because people instantly made the connection of Butler. And Brown said, I don't see the connection of Jimmy having too much to do with spacing. In fact, I think it completely enhances the possibility of having better spacing. But I think in general, we all have to do better at creating space for Joel. Um, so the first thing is, he did not mention at any point, he did not say, Jimmy Butler is making me um, stand out on the perimeter. Yeah, um, great, he teammate. Said that, great teammate, his favorite teammate. Yeah. Um, so. So I have my theory on this. I don't know what, what your thoughts are, but I have my, my basic theory on this. I mean, my, my read on it is a lot of it is he's frustrated that he's not as good of a shooter as he wants to be. Uh, and if, if he had more success doing that, I think he'd feel better about his game and feel better about opening, opening things up. Uh, I, to me, it seems, I don't know. He should want to occasionally be out on the perimeter because he has that, does that dance with JJ and gets, occasionally gets screens from JJ to get some easy dunks out of it and doesn't have to you know, go uh, bang colossuses with other big men in the post every time. So, I mean, I'm not saying don't give him the ball in the post, but it seems like he should want to mix it up so he doesn't have to take that beating every time. But uh, I'm not super worried about it. What do you think? 
So I think the genesis of this is, I think it is really important to Joel Embiid that he not be looked at as the injured guy anymore. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's really important to him that he wants to be considered a normal player just like everyone else. Because anytime anybody criticizes him, or not even now, but but in the past, I think a lot of what he hears is he doesn't even play back-to-backs, he hasn't played a full season, he's never going to be healthy. And I think all of that stuff um, has probably laid some, like, eggs uh, in his brain. Absolutely. And if anything, he's been too healthy. I would love for him to get, like, a, a small... Right. Like, sho- like I don't want to say shoulder injury. That's there's too many demons at every parts of the body. Maybe yeah, like yeah. Please do not say shoulder. Uh, yeah, but maybe I, like a chin yeah. thing. Is that is yeah. that safe? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think he. Um, so I think uh, he is more. I think it is more uh, reasonable for him in his mind to blame the lack of success on something other than um, him being uh, tired or him being hurt. And I think like, I've, so it is the, a combination of that combined with what you've said, he's frustrated that he's just not playing as well as he wants to, which I do think has to do with not forgetting about the injured thing and forgetting about the fact that he had three overuse injuries, like two stress fractures in his feet, one in his back. Um, he is 7'2", 270, and I, he plays a very physical game. He plays the most, plays like the, the, the catcher of, of basketball, you know, like he gets beat up the most defensively. He gets beat up the most offensively. He gets switched onto wings all the time and all that adds up. And I think he, he is like for, for his uh, health and for his energy, I think playing less would be good for him. Uh, but I don't think he wants to hear that. And I don't think he wants to be blamed on that. So this is an easy thing to blame it on. And I think there is a small part of that that is like, look, if whether Ben has the ball or doesn't have the ball, if there are two guys whose games are going to be getting into the lane, uh, and Ben specifically is only getting into the lane in the half court, there's going to be less space for Oh, and by the way, everybody who's in his ear, I would imagine, any of his friends, are like, uh, I, I imagine the first criticism is like, why does that dude have you hanging around on the three-point line? Like, you should be dominating on the block. Because that's what people say to me all the time, is what he should be doing. So I think, like, I think that gets in his head, too. Um, and I think, like, there's going to be times when the fact that, uh, that Ben doesn't shoot jumpers is going to mean that Ed Joel has to be a floor spacer sometimes, you know? And um, I think, uh, like... You know, if the shots were going in, he would probably have a lot less, a lot less problem with that. So, uh, but I, you've said I believe in him as a thirty-five percent three-point shooter. I do. I, yeah, I think he can no, get there. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. Yeah, I, I think, I, I think to some extent, every NBA player has guys in their ear saying, "Why are you doing? Why is your coach doing this? He should be doing this. Why are these players not passing you the ball in this situation? All that stuff." Um, and, you know. Every, there's there, there's like this kind of I'm not getting the right touches or my minutes are not the way I want them to be or whatever in every locker room. Uh, Embiid is just a very honest guy. He doesn't mind doing this. It's, I wish it was like more handled internally. Mm-hmm. It would be, you know, do we have to deal with this? We have enough things to deal with and we just traded for a guy who's really good and, and the team's been really good since he's been there. 
if anything, Embiid should say, hey, I've sucked lately. I, I wish I would spend a little bit more time in the low block, but, like, just say that you're having a great time, you love your teammates, you think the team is doing great. Like, just, I don't know. Maybe he regrets it. Maybe he's just like, I don't I don't care. I'm the best player in this team. I can say what I want. Um, I, I, I wish these things didn't happen. I think, you know, for the most part, in the Brett Brown Sixers era, spanning, obviously, a couple very bad years, this kind of thing hasn't happened. It, this has been handled internally. This has been, there hasn't been, like, locker room discord aside from, like, whatever was happening with Okafor. And even that was rem- still, like, nice. The, 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 the thing that popped into my head was when Nerland said that Ish Smith was the first real point guard he had ever played with. Yeah. Like, that's how far back I had to go was, like, the, the, um, the passive-aggressive Michael Carter-Williams uh, right. shot that Nerland's took. But that's a long time ago. Uh, and, by the way, he was right. <laughs> so, yeah. so, but the, yeah. the, the thing is, like, you know, the, six, the Sixers, as constructed, need Embiid. All the time, he's not. Yeah. They're not. They're just not good enough uh, defensively without him, and that's why last night's game was so uh, was so good to see because they did like after struggling in the first half, letting up forty one points in the second quarter, they really tightened up. Only let up forty three points in the entire second half. Got a ton of blocks and steals. Like everybody, I loved. I loved how they were like. Okay, I mean, I think. Um, I forget who the sideline reporter was in the ESPN broadcast that I had out here, um, but they talked to Monty Williams at half, and they're and they're like, "We got to throw different looks at Blake and Andre in the post, and uh, and make it just make it less easy on them." And all of a sudden, you saw Wilson Chandler running to double, you saw Jimmy Butler running to double, you saw Simmons running to double, and those are just like a lot of really smart, good plays, and totally neutralized them in the second the second half. And so things like that, even even though Embiid's not you know, hopefully, he's hopefully going to be playing in the playoffs. He's obviously not going to be playing 48 minutes in the playoffs. So if if similar to the 16-game win streak at the end of last season, when the team started playing well without him and playing a different kind of basketball, they need to find a way to be successful without him on the court because they really haven't this year. And games like this and times when Embiid isn't the focal point is how they're going to have to do it. Um, just to get, get the team going... At, when he's when he's sitting, uh, can, so hopefully can he I can suggest something, that. Mike? Yeah. What if you were to make Ben Simmons a small ball five and surround oh. him with shooters? That would, sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, they could survive that. Well, I mean, and the key is is not offensive. They can score points without him. It is it is def- not not that they're not better when he's scoring points. He's the best player on the team offensively and defensively. But I think the key is going to be finding a way to play defense when he's not yeah. protect the rim at all. They don't have, you know, Amir has taken a, a a step back this year. I mean, like like age seems to have caught up with him. And Mascala, while he's a good shooter, and um, I think he's a better rebounder than I thought he was, is certainly not a rim protector. So defensively in the paint is where they're going to struggle. So. Yeah, but they but I think last night was a really good, nice step. And, and yeah. again, if MB didn't make these comments, I'd just be feeling... Really good. I mean, they won. They won this game when when Reddick shot five of eighteen, two of ten from three, and they just they just battled. It was a really gutsy, gutsy win on the road against a good team, a well coached team with two guys that were immediately a mismatch on the court. And Blake obviously turns it on against Sixers all the time. Uh, whatever uh, Ben Simmons beef they might have, I don't know anything about it. 
Um, <laughs> but but it seems like he really turns it on against the Sixers. And for them to, uh, to hold them to 43 points in the second half is like, that's really impressive. And I just, I think that they need, like, as frustrating as it is for Embiid to sit and and not be, you know, just going low block to low block, doing everything he wants every, every time out, like, they need to find a way to be successful without him on the court. And he he needs to, like, help like relish that and like encourage that because he shouldn't want to play 45 minutes a game and the three minutes that they play they go down 10 points right well and and to your point earlier i i don't think he can be the only player that gets nights off i just don't think he can be in 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 the good for the good of the basketball team and for the the good of Embiid. by the way i have to mention the moxie that rebel has um being in somebody else's house and growling at them um when they leave the room and come back in. Pretty good. He is already, between the poop on the carpet and the growling at them, he's already made it his own in here. Really like it. Um, uh, the, uh, in a, you reacted exactly as I thought you would when Shams tweeted that, the, so the Sixers still have a roster spot. Um, I think uh, they, they are in no rush to fill it, I don't think. Um, but they worked out Aaron Aflalo, Sean Kilpatrick, and Brandon Rush. And? And? That was it. That wasn't it. Haywood, Highsmith. Oh, I don't even know who that is. Who's that? A wing out of Wheeling Jesuit, play, okay. plays for the Delaware Bluecoats, and has been on one or two Sixers summer league teams. Okay, I don't remember him at all. Well, <laughs> uh, I, it, I I saw it and and I thought of you immediately, um, and then you tweeted that. Like that tweet was your new religion, which 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 I thought was on brand for you. Aaron Aflalo isn't good anymore. He is, in theory, a sort of person that would be good in their um, in their rotation. Sean Kilpatrick was never good. Uh, he was he is a thirteenth grade uh, G League sort of player for sure. He has thirty five points in the G League or the Brooklyn Nets. And Brandon Rush, he was at Warriors, right? Rush was on the Warriors. Yeah, and the Wolves. Yeah, I don't remember ever really watching him at any point. So oh, he's great. He's any... Very, uh, I loved him at Kansas. Great butt. Uh, <laughs> all these, I mean, Kilpatrick is probably the worst defender of the three, at least in theory. I don't know if Aflalo's actually defended in the last five years. Um, just a bot, like a body, a capable body. A capable body to throw out there. There's there's no reason why. I mean, there's so much spacing on this on this team because of how many guys that the other team has to uh, account for. There's no reason why Aaron Aflalo or Brandon Rush couldn't just work hard on defense and hit open threes. And then just Is pass Aaron the Aflalo, ball what, pr- Probably 46 at this point, <laughs> Aflalo? I guess Aaron Aflalo is 33. I'm going to look it up. At, at one point in my life, Aaron Aflalo and... Um, What's his name? Uh, He's 33. Nailed it. Okay. Aflalo and who's the French guy um, that is supposedly a 3 and D wing but can't really hit threes in his... Nick Batum? Nick Batum. They were like... They were my... My... Like my fantasy basketball team, like all stars, fill up stat sheet. um, And they are the guys... Batum is is like the, the prototypical... You think he's he's really good until you actually have to watch him in games, and then he's nowhere nearly as good as you thought he was. Um, but Aflalo was in that company. Aflalo was more of a a a, a, a 
shot jacker than Batum is. Um, but and so we're um, it's we still got a couple what a month until ten day season starts. Yep, January first, I believe. Uh, just start signing guys. Just sign them. Cut them after a day. I don't care. <laughs> just start signing and don't we stop signing. We need something to talk about. Yeah, I mean, geez, they keep winning games. Like I said, this is going to get really boring. Can I can uh, I do it? Can I talk about faults for a second? Uh, yeah, hold on. Let's do the cornblow thing because it, and then you can talk about faults, and then AU will join. Great. It'll be perfect. All right. Uh, our other sponsor for this podcast, I wonder if I will see him at the LL Pavorsky holiday party tonight. Is Adam Cornblow, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, of course. Uh, Kornblau may at one day represent Markel Fultz in a lawsuit. You never know. Um, he should represent you in any personal injury lawsuit that you may or may not come into contact with. Any sort of personal injury, Kornblau and Kornblau will be there for you to take care of you. That is medical malpractice, which is their specialty, uh, slip and fall, injured at work, car accidents, all of those things. And the most important part, having... Well, first of all, the most important part is that he's going to get you the best results possible, the most money possible. Second most important part, as somebody who has been through a personal injury lawsuit, is that these things can take a very long time. You don't know what's going on for months at a time. It can be a really frustrating process. But Kornblau uh, understands that and is a truly good person who cares that you feel good through that entire process. So not only is your best option as a lawyer, he's your best option as a communicator. Um, and I think that's really, really important. Um, if you're going through something as tough as that, if you're hurt, nobody likes to be hurt, um, and nobody likes to be involved in lawsuits, and Kornblau is going to ease both of those pains. So if you think you have a case, if you even dream you have a case, call Kornblau. Don't take any chances that you have a case and you didn't pursue it. Give him a call or shoot him an email. It doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200 and ask for Adam or email Kornblau at Kornblau and Kornblau.com. Kornblau spelled with a K, the and spelled out A-N-D, Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. All right, Fultz. Did anything even happen this week? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Or but besides the other days. thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, he's seeing specialists, and he, he was not right. with the team last night. Is that correct? Uh, no, because he's in California, right? Is he okay. supposedly in California? with? Oh, the, right. He's here listening to me do the podcast. That's right. With, right. At the fire <laughs> station. Uh, Cracking open a mead in the yeah. corner. Is he even oh, 21? Can he crack open a mead? He rolls out of bed with... Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so false. So it's very upsetting. Okay. So I, I continue... I will forever be going back and forth about it. But, like, let's... Let me, let me try to paint you a truth picture and you tell me if this is plausible and then how bad I should feel. Are you going to say Landry Fields? Well, Landry Fields has certainly worked. Landry Fields, Andres Biedrins... Right. Uh, I don't know, fucking Mark Burley, everybody whose people are sending me shit about uh, that have had this thoracic uh, nerve syndrome damage uh, something. Right. Um, what if, as a 19-year-old kid, it had to start, whether it started with like, a, like an, oh, AT, an ATV accident <laughs> or trying to change, trying to change his, his shot. Let's get all the theories all in the out. Throw story. them out. It's all, yep, it all yep. started from okay. the same thing. Uh, Let's say that somewhere in there, he started feeling some discomfort mm -hmm. and felt weird about it. And, and it was similar to that, whatever Landry, Landry Fields video that 18 people DM me about. Mm -hmm. um, and 
And you like didn't know how, you don't know how to talk about it. You're a kid that you're not used to it. You start to feel weird about it. You're also the number one pick, so you're maybe kind of like embarrassed about it. You don't want to tell people. You feel like they just drafted you, and you're like, oh, I'm hiding this a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens more and more, and then you double down, and your people are telling you to do these things, and you still can't figure out what's actually wrong. And like what? And what if people are just not believing you? And like you have this thing, and uh, clearly he's very immature of his age not immature again I've said this before but not immature in like a bad kid way just immature in like a very young he's a young person uh, and maybe has been sheltered in some young way Uh, but he's clearly not like very comfortable talking to the media or talking to like uh, whatever higher ups Um, and people are not believing you and you're getting more and more frustrated and the team's not believing you and and so you start to like insulate yourself and uh your agent lawyer is telling you one thing and your parents or your mom is telling you one thing and the team is not believing you and they're trying to like like sending you to fake Kentucky for to pretend to have a specialist there mm-hmm. and and then now you're getting embarrassed on TV because you're a foul shot because you've had this nerve thing and then Amari Cooper is making, making fun of you on Thanksgiving and all these things and now and Brett has been saying no we're we're gonna stick with them we're, it's just about a confidence thing we're gonna stick with them and then they meet Benjamin against the fucking Suns in the second half and then uh, that's a great recap yeah and yeah. then and then your uh, your your people are like no you fuck well fuck them They're, you're out and you're you're just like but I love your teammates but nobody's believing me and it's still like you're still trying to verbalize how this thing is happening and you would think that over a year plus of, of this happening that you would have a a better understanding of, of why it affects you sometimes, why it affects you from the foul line but doesn't affect you when you're in rhythm and it does affect you from, from three point land and all these things and you just don't know mm-hmm. and it's, it's it, it, you, genuinely, you genuinely feel something and then you hear these fucking assholes on podcasts uh, acting as if it's affecting them having to talk about it so much and being right. frustrated by it and this is something that they're dealing with as if I, I Markel Fultz am not like the individual having to go through all of this whether it whether it started out as a mental thing or it has become a mental thing because of how frustrating it is for people to not uh, appreciate or understand or empathize with the fact that like I do feel something it is physical and real uh and people, no matter what happens, no matter what legitimate doctors I'm going to, people are going to say I'm just a head case or whatever. Is that all like a possibility? Like, is that real? Could that have could that have happened? Could it, could it have been this uh, thoracic nerve outlet syndrome and this whole time and he just didn't know how to verbalize it and, and this is finally like some relief, some like really like being told that it's a, an actual thing that there is PT for and treatment for and obviously a wide range of outcomes on is that is it is there a chance that that's happening and we've been awful yeah but i don't think it's likely i i just i've i've t- look I, and i know as soon as i say this i'm going to get dms and emails with people showing me videos on the internet of doctors saying that this is entirely possible and blah 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 i think part of the the um the thing that where, where you're getting those doctors and those experts saying that this is possible is, I mentioned this on the last pod, don't get confused between is this a real condition that exists or, and could exist and 
is this what's likely in this particular situation given the circumstances? Sure. And I, I just think that the circumstances, given what I've been told, and we've all talked to doctors, right? But like, let's say doctors that are particularly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar with like the last couple of years. They haven't looked at Markel Fultz, but particularly familiar with the last couple of years. This, this TOS is not like a rare thing and it is not undiagnosed and it is pretty like obvious to most orthopedists who deal with athletes. And just the, the, the possibility of him going through all he went through with the shoulder and by, by the way, getting diagnosed with a shoulder ailment last year, like let's not forget that they diagnosed him with a shoulder ailment. So he must have described symptoms to somebody and nobody until this point has said this. And then the other thing that leads me to believe that it is unlikely Again, not impossible, sure. I, I, and we're all asked, not everybody. They're like, some people on Twitter are not assholes. They always believed in Mark Allen. It was always the shoulder. You and I are assholes in this situation, if that's the case. But the other thing that leads me to believe that this is incredibly unlikely is that all of the cases that you hear about this in athletes they always talk about the possibility of surgery and surgery happens a lot. And, and that surgery is not like some joke, man. Like removing ribs is like, like the fucking, you know, it's like rumors about Marilyn Manson, like getting a rib taken out so he can perform whatever. Like th that's the only time that you hear about removing ribs, not in like, like th that is a serious surgery. A lot of times the guys never come back to this. And like the, the um, and now maybe it's just his, his agent trying to um, make him feel better about the prospects of what's, what is going through. But the idea that he could go away for PT for a couple of weeks and then come back and everything's gonna be fine when he, he must have rested for like months last year um, and it didn't come back fine and spent the entire summer shooting 150,000 times. Um, and like you hear Landry Field say like, like I, was, I was barely able to shoot and some of these other guys like couldn't feel their arm, um, but he's shooting, like the circumstances I think are, lead me to believe that the prospect of that being likely is very slim, I would think. Um, now that said, I, maybe it is, you know, sure it's possible. I, I don't think it's impossible, but I also don't think it's likely. Um, and I don't think like, you know, you see Raymond Brothers, like his quotes, somebody told him to say that, right? Like his, somebody, we were talking about who's in Joel's ear before. There are people in Markel's ear and then in Raymond Brothers' ear saying, they're saying it's like, like the, the, the stigma of things being mental. Hey, mental man, there's something wrong with you. And his whoever, family members, whatever, saying there's nothing wrong with him, find, find something, find something. And they finally found something. It doesn't take 30 experts and a year and a half to diagnose TOS, it doesn't. It, not for an athlete, not for, I, I don't know. I hope that's the case. I, I would love to be an asshole in this scenario. Uh, because I'm not on Reddit anymore, uh, and I don't have to read about it on there, um, just like J.J. Reddick is not on social media, but I don't think it's likely. That's what I would say. Well, what if okay. he comes back in three short weeks, Yep, is reevaluated, mm -hmm. turns out he's <laughs> the guy they drafted. <laughs> then I will get my ribs removed so I can... So I can 
perform fellatio on myself. That'd be really nice. I, I think that's a, that's a, yeah. I think that's uh, a ironclad guarantee. Yeah. Uh, speaking of reevaluated in three weeks, it is time for reevaluated in three weeks with Andrew Underberger. All of Underberger's appearances and writing brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding, your locally owned skateboard shop in Wilmington, Delaware. Locally owned, very important. Um, you don't need to give Amazon more money. Give Ben and Kinetic more money. Uh, that is if you need skateboards or if for this Christmas season, if you want to go and get somebody dope thrasher hoodie, maybe some Vans, maybe some Converse, maybe some Nikes you can't get anywhere else, kineticskateboarding.com or just go visit them. And remember, 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. AU, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much. Always a good day when Marilyn Manson gets on the pod. Yeah. <laughs> Are, are you going to join in our blood pact of getting ribs removed if, uh, if Fultz comes back okay? I don't think I've ever actually had like that kind of major surgery. I, I don't, I don't want to start with that at this point in my life, so <laughs> I'll, I'll probably pass on that. But okay. uh, I appreciate it. Uh, what do you got for us, man? Uh, so I've just been thinking lately about uh, like how at this point of the process when wins are starting to actually matter more and more, uh, I, I find that, that – in, in the last couple seasons, especially, uh, there's been one guy on the team every year that I've sort of, kind of, kind of projected all the team's failures onto. Like whenever anything kind of goes wrong, or when there's, you know, a, a cold spell on the court, or just like a team, just a sort of team-wide underperformance. There, there's sort of one guy who I look to as emblematic of all of that, and it, it's never, it's never a guy who has star expectations. It's never going to be like one of the big three. It's never, it, it's, it's very rarely somebody that we even draft. It's very rarely somebody that we that kind of comes up through the system. It's usually a guy. Who's not part of the core? Uh, who's not? Who's kind of like a rental and not seen as the team's uh, as being part of the team's future? And it's somebody, but it's somebody who we still need to be pretty good uh, at a, like a specific role. And it's somebody who's never quite good enough. Uh, and I, I would have bet money going into the season that that would have ended up being Wilson Chandler, who I, I as I've, I've said multiple <laughs> times, I, I thought had, had like hasn't even been alive the last three years. Uh, and he kind of silently died on the, the Nuggets bench sometime in 2015. But he's actually been. I don't know if he's been better than I thought, but he's been less maddening than I thought. But the, the guy who, who's been that guy for me this year uh, is Mike Muscala, uh, who I feel like never really gets discussed uh, in any like major Sixers discussion. Like, would you say that there has been three total minutes of Mike Muscala discussion on the Rice Turkey Sanchez podcast this year? You missed it, buddy. You missed it. We did at least four minutes earlier. Well, I'd say most of it. Pod. I'd say most of it has been racist dad based. But you're right. That was very yeah, I don't early. Think that counts. Yeah. 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 Then, then no. There's been very little discussion. He was, he was going to say he should be the backup five. Yeah. Is what is what it should be. I mean, I I like Amir probably more than the general fan base does, but I think it's pretty clear that when you got Ben out there running the offense, you want to surround him with shooters. Muscala is a shooter, and he it can prove last night that he can at least hang with those big bodies and have a nice a couple nice blocks that that were uh, really momentum changers for. Yeah, for I mean, he, he, he definitely he definitely had a good game last night, and he does occasionally have one of those games where he, he like makes a couple threes, gets a couple offensive rebounds, maybe gets to the line a couple times. But there's other games, and I feel like they're the, the, the great majority of Mike Muscala games where if the shot doesn't fall, it's just like, like what are you even doing here, guy? Like, he's not an especially good defender. He's not a good rebounder, particularly passer. He doesn't even seem like he's that high IQ a guy. Like, I feel like there's lots of plays where, you know, the, 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 the ball, like, gets tipped off his hands and goes out of bounds or he's late recovering for help and then he fouls the guy and it's an and one and I feel like every single game, basically, he's either one, or, one of five or two of six from three. Uh... Even, and even last night when he, he was like better than that, 
there was there was one play where he there was like a pick and roll situation I think with TJ as the handler and he got a nice feed and then he had a two on one with with Ben Simmons behind the defense uh, right. and instead of dropping it off to Ben for an easy dunk he just plowed right into his defender and there was a charge and it was turnover uh, and I, I feel like there's two or three plays like that a night and it, and it's really frustrating because we actually and for, so, somehow we end up really needing Mike Muscala to play 25 minutes every night yeah uh, he's never a good option but he's always our only option. Uh, and, and I was thinking maybe I've, I've been too harsh on him. Maybe like I saw a couple of bad games early and that, that sort of colored my perception that maybe his stats are actually better than you think. But they're really not. Like, like if you check his stats, he's averaging like 13 and 7 per 36. And that's even after last night. Uh, like he's still still shooting 39 percent from the field, like for, for, a, for a backup five. Uh, that, that's it's 10 percent below his career average. Uh, is his true shooting numbers aren't terrible because he's getting the line a little bit more and because he never shoots twos. He only ever shoots threes. But even then, he's only shooting 35% from three, and that's the one thing you're, you're good at. That's not, like, a particularly great number. Hey, uh, you, do you know what you sound like right now? You sound like the people that don't like Covington. Like, the, like the, that's Covington the, has, like, def, definable yeah. skills. I mean, maybe you can't see them in the numbers, but they're there. Like, <laughs> does Mike Muscala pass the eye test to you? No, I just, I love, I love, um, I love sort of irrational hate. I, sure. I and I know the the point of your 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 segment this week was not just to to fucking slander Mike Muscala, <laughs> but I like that that's what it's become. But, but yeah, and, and it, it is definitely partly irrational. And, and like, there's a very good argument to be made that if there is this guy on the team this year, it should be Amir uh, because he's basically as useless as Muscala, and he's not a three point threat. Although I think he actually is probably shooting a better percentage from three than than Muscala. Uh, but but he's also like he, he was better last year. He's on a minimum deal. He's also just kind of old, uh, and I, I don't enjoy watching him. But I don't really get angry watching him like I do with Muscala. Uh, also, like <laughs> it's just a bad name, like, Mike, Mike Muscala. It's not a good name, uh, and, uh, and like you, you could do the moose thing with it, but like it doesn't quite feel right, and he's not really good enough to earn it. And and watching him is just kind of like graceless and unexciting. It, it's it's not he's personal. Really not, I, he's I really not charming. Yeah, no, uh, and, and I don't hold the dad stuff against them, and, and it's it's not fair, uh, but it never is because there's always just one kind of, one guy who's kind of like this on the team for me. Uh, last year it was Jared Bayless, uh, and I know we're sort of pro Bayless on this on the rookie. Yes, this is a pro Bayless, podcast. very pro Bayless, very yeah. pro Bayless, exactly. <laughs> but there were times last year where he would, he would like miss a three in an important moment, and I would just like yell at the TV, like, "Why do you even exist? Like, who are you? What, what are you doing here?" Uh, before that, la- the year before that, it was Sergio Rodriguez. It was kind of sold to us as an like an accomplished international veteran at a high IQ, but he really yep. did nothing well as far as I could tell. Not good. Uh, yep. And he, he wasn't even like like he was supposed to be a, like, like a, just a placeholder, but he wasn't even that. Like it, it was it was really an abysmal experience. Uh, the years before that, like during the pro- during like the, the, the pure process years, I didn't really have these guys to the same extent. Like I found Brandon Davies very frustrating to watch, but like during those years, it, like expectations were so low, and we didn't even really want to win that much, so it was hard to get that mad at anybody. But uh, a couple pre-process guys, I mean, the, the biggest one for me will always be Lou Williams, who, like, he just made so many decisions that I found totally inexplicable in real time. Uh, and, there, and there was that one Eddie Jordan year where I think he had, like, literally one good fourth quarter the entire season. But because of that fourth quarter, like, he, he was dubbed by Zumoff and maybe it was Eric Snow at the time. They called him Mr. Fourth Quarter. And it never happened again. Like, he always stunk in the fourth quarter, and he always stunk in the playoffs. Uh, and, 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 like, my, my hatred of Lou Williams is partially ignorance-based. I like the fact that I didn't really give proper credit to, like, his efficiency and that he never turned the ball over. And the Lou, for one, was a good innovation. And he got to the line a bunch. And I actually sort of enjoy watching him on the Clippers now. But it, it, I'll be 
furious if he's ever brought back to the Sixers. That's like a, a perpetual <laughs> fear of mine, like a waking nightmare. Like, no, like don't, don't, don't ever like toy around with that idea again. Uh, and my all-time yeah. least favorite Sixer, uh, still the great Jason Capono, uh, who was only supposed to be able to do one thing, uh, and he, he couldn't, couldn't do even it. do that. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. And he, he he supposedly hit 64 threes over the course of his time as a Sixer, but I don't remember a single one of them even being remotely consequential. Uh, and the thing that, that blows my mind, I, I looked up the stat this morning. He played in like he, so he played two years with the Sixers. The first year, he was like a decently big part of the rotation. The second year, uh, minutes were pretty minimal, but he still played in 24 games. And across those 24 games, he hit one three-pointer. Ugh. How is that even possible? How, how, how do you get on the court for a minute in, in 24 games and not hit one more than one three-pointer? Yeah, I think he had the Landry Fields thing. <laughs> Must have, yeah, undiagnosed uh, ahead of his time, Jason Capono. Uh, so, so those are those are my dudes. Do, do you do you guys have like those those like irrationally hated or even like rationally hated players from the past 10 years or so? Yeah, I mean, I was, I didn't like it for, during the process era. It was just like any veteran. I was just out mm-hmm. on it. I didn't, I didn't, I really had no time for Bamute. Although, towards the end of his tenure and then afterwards, I, I came to appreciate him more, even just for Embiid. Um, I actually did love Carl Landry because the MVP trance. That was, yeah, I actually, I, th- I thought a lot of the process veterans were actually sort of charming um, in their um, insignificance. Like, everybody hated Luke. <laughs> Rebel! Rebel! <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we were joined by somebody else. He's wearing a Cameroon jersey. He brought over rights to Ricky Sanchez winter hats. This is r- truly the, the, the strangest uh, Ricky, from my point of view, uh, of all time. Um, uh, like, Jason Richardson, uh, I thought was hilarious. Oh, yeah. I liked uh, Luke Bamute. Um, actually, the two guys I hated the most were Evan Turner and MCW. Sure. And, like, really? it, it's it's funny because people now, I think there's so many new people that listen to the pod that weren't around the first few years and and saw me, like didn't see me turn on players before, like how quickly I can turn and how hard I can turn. So they've they've seen me like be negative over the last year or so and react really harshly. But like I hated Evan Turner so much that I said that if they didn't trade him, I would die. Um, and like, I, like I said that I wrote it like as I'm an sure article you meant it that too, yeah. I did. I thought I was going to die. And, uh, and MCW, I f- fucking despised. Like by the time they traded him, I was joyous and it was controversial that it happened, but it was never the vets for me. I would say currently like, and I, I don't hide this very well. Like I'm not a big Reddit guy, like at all. Um, uh, but I don't think there's anybody else on the team besides Reddick that, um, but I like everything about Reddick. I'm not like thrilled about, uh, I don't like how he shoots the ball. He's always flying one way or the other. Um, obviously the not on social media thing I'm going to pick on until I die. Um, he seems like everyone talks about him like, like being like this veteran presence or whatever. And that's, I, I don't believe from what I understand, that's the kind of guy he is. He does work hard, but he's not like grown up teammate guy who counsels young players. Um, and I think he's here because he got paid $36 million in two years. And I think he's horse shit. And I don't think he can guard anybody. So, um, yeah, that, that's fair. And that, that's, I, I could see a world in which, you know, the, where I start to, to feel that way about JJ too. Sometimes you know, I think in the playoffs last year, I was kind of leaning towards that, but, I'm not quite there with him, but in terms of like the young guys, 
I, I don't think that they can ever kind of fit this 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 mold for me because yeah. I always want them to be good so badly that I'm, I'm just not willing to give up on that. Like I gave up on Mike Muscala probably two games into the season. It's, <laughs> it's just the stakes are lower. Like you can give up on guys like that. And you know, he, he probably won't be here in a year. He might not be here by the end of the season if he gets uh, kind of bumped in the rotation. So it's a little bit easier for me to just be like, oh, you, you fucking suck, man. What do you, why, why, why do you exist? What are you doing here? Like, <laughs> why do you um, exist? But I, I can't, I can't do that with guys like Evan and, and MCW, who I still believe are, you know, have all star potential if we can just get them in the right environment. Sure. My, my, what? my pre processed guys are probably, I would say Capono is definitely up there. And I would add, I really was not, a, I didn't like Lou either. I was, I, I got frustrated with Lou for, for a long time. And uh, that was evidenced on, on Liberty Ballers back in the day. Um, Although I do think he's worked himself to be a much better player and more efficient, but in, in like in the spots that he's in. Uh, but other Sixers, I would say, I really was not a Reggie Evans guy. I know that a bunch of people were. Really? I just I just hated Reggie uh, Evans. I couldn't. Sixers fans love Reggie. I Evans. couldn't stand him. I couldn't stand. Him. He could do nothing. He was so bad at so many things at once. Um, and uh, Brian Skinner, who inexplicably got paid a lot of money uh, over a couple of years, and and also had no discernible skills. Um, well, I mean, I pre the, uh, AU, it had been a pretty like, um, smiley, we love everybody pod until <laughs> you showed up. So I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad you'd be the rare source of negativity pod. for once. Yeah. yeah. That, that's sort of a new look for me. Uh, and real quick, but before I get out here, uh, I wanted to make a note cause, uh, you know, I talked a lot, a couple podcasts ago about like the 30 point scores being a thing for me, uh, with the Sixers team. And uh, Butler last night, that's the second game in a row, uh, scoring 30-plus. So that makes him the third sixer this year to score 30 in consecutive games. I, I did some uh, basketball reference digging, and I saw it, the Sixers haven't had three guys score 30 in, in consecutive games on, like, during the same season uh, since 1966-67 with Hal Greer, Chet Walker, and Will Chamberlain. Wow. So this Jeez. Is, this wow. It's a pretty new feeling. That's wow. a good stat. Well, yeah, it's a, yeah. Uh, it's a new era, AU. It's a new really? era. Well, I'm glad you, uh, I sort of have a soft spot for Mike Muscala because um, I have a soft spot for anybody whose dad makes their life <laughs> sure. yes. uh, just tough just sometimes. The, yeah. Yeah. Just get the field goal percentage above 40%. That's all I'm asking. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, that's be reasonable fair. here. That's yeah. fair. All right, buddy. Yep. Thanks, man. Um, I, I got some good Twitter questions. Can we run through a few yeah, let's do a before couple. we go? Okay. Uh, first from Pod Save America's Dan Pfeiffer. Uh, who is a secret Warriors fan, uh, but masquerades as a Sixers fan. Uh, he had three questions. Um, I think really the third one is the best one. The first one was, how problematic is the lack of defense coming off the bench? Second, is it possible to get Embiid on JJ's conditioning plan? And third, which I thought was most interesting, if building a culture is Brown's greatest strength, what is his greatest weakness as a coach? Um, I like, I, I th the first two, Number one, pretty problematic. Number two, um, it's a lot easier to get in great shape um, as a 6'2 uh, guard than a 7'2 um, center, I think. Um, I, I think Embiid is actually in pretty good shape this year. Um, but what do you think Brown's greatest weakness is? Um, I think it's an interesting question. Yeah. You know, the in, in the NBA, it's... It's always like how much actual development do like head coaches do? How much teaching do head coaches do? And I think outside of like the big, the main 
like the main guys that the Sixers have developed, the sort of the hang your hat on those guys, it's maybe there were, there are a lot of examples of guys that Brett didn't uh, get to a, like a useful place here, whether that's because of minutes or because of they're just not good or it took them longer to figure it out or whatever it is. You think about Luau and Korkmaz, Jer- Jeremy developed elsewhere, like guys that that were that had potential that didn't for whatever reason. I mean, part of it is just personnel based and 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 yeah. transaction based, but um, you know, part of it's time. Jeremy Grant absolutely. is is good now. There's after another yeah. like you know two and a half years for or sure. Whatever, so. But in terms of like on court stuff, uh, I wish you would run the pick and roll a little bit more and just go with it and just yeah. say, hey, we're going to run TJ Embiid pick and rolls. We're going to run uh, Butler Simmons pick and rolls and we're just going to do it and we're going to get offense and draw fouls out of it um, because some of the dribble handoff stuff is is tiresome um, and uh, not all the time effective. And I think it, it, that doing a couple pick and rolls here and there just to stabilize the offense might be good. But I don't know. I think I think so much of coaching is just personnel. Is like who you got and what do you what you do with it? Like the Sixers don't have a lot of depth, so, so Brett can't do a lot of things that you know. I'm not going to criticize his rotations because right. who are you going to rotate to? Um, I think he I think he's really I think he doesn't get enough credit for drawing up plays and like whether that's out of bounds plays or after timeout plays or or like, you know end of game plays. I think there's been a bunch of times we've talked about this before, but uh, the Sixers for my whole life had. At the end of the game, it was just give the ball to whoever the best player is or the best scorer is, and and just everybody clear out. Which now they're kind of doing with Butler. I, I like it better when he when it goes in. Um, but but they've <laughs> yeah. but they've done. You know, you think about the the Dario. I think it was Dario pass to Covington at the end of, at the end of that game. Oh, wait, remember remember that we I think we played it at the, the, the layup. Yeah, I think the, we played the, it at the yeah. la, at the Covington pod. Yeah. Um, there's been a bunch of those kinds of plays where 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 he got good looks uh, in 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 tight situations. So I don't know. What do you think? Um, I do think he seems to be a little stubborn in what he likes doing offensively. Sure. Um, which, which, which goes to your, your point. Like the, 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 the rotations thing is like, I feel like that's a coach criticism that like is probably hardly ever true. I, I mean, I don't, I, he wants to win as much as anybody. He sees the players more than anybody does. Like I don't, and and we've talked a lot about how inflexible I think a lot of the roster is. And he's been, you know, it's it's always been that way. It's always been sort of either uh, no good players for the first two or three years, or um, or imperfect fits. And I don't, you know, Brad Stevens, who I think is probably, even though he is fighting for his job right now, one of the the two or three best coaches in the league. Like he's having trouble, like getting the right players on the court at the right time. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I do think he, like, he's run the exact same offense for six years. And um, even Mike D'Antoni, you know, people think of Mike D'Antoni as this, as what they did in Houston last year. And that's not what they did, you know, previously. Like, that was a pretty isolation. He, like, he adjusted his offense. It was completely different. Now, he's probably the best offensive coach of all time. So the fact that he was able to adjust is not that surprising. I don't think that Brett Brown is the best anything of all time, aside from, like, Guy, maybe. Um, he did buy us drinks at one of the Bust the Processes, so... Seems like a great guy to me. So I think that's it. He's. He, I think he 
he seems a little inflexible offensively, and I wish he would try some new things given the uh, the personnel they have now. Um, this one comes from Leo. What are the chances that if our season ends up in disappointment that Butler leaves this summer? Um, so let's say they lose in the first round. Yeah, to say like a you know Indiana or Detroit or something like that. Yeah, somebody. Yeah. Um, I think there there's chance that it happens, but unless there's some sort of implosion and maybe this, I don't I don't believe it, but maybe this Embiid starting to get upset about his role here um, is the beginning of it. I hope not. Uh, I I really don't think unless there's something that that blows up that he would go somewhere else. I don't think he can get. I mean, he can get more money here. He can get uh, more years. I wouldn't mind if they did like a like a, they settled on a two and one, you know, two years and a player option for a third. That'd be cool. Uh, oh, there's no way though. But but guys have been doing it like Durant and LeBron. Yeah, the guys have been doing yeah, but it to I, like I, have more flexibility. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think there's a line. I, th- I think as long as my, my opinion would be this: as long as they give him that deal, he's not going anywhere. Um, I think the combination of available cap space this summer and number of stars that you would pay that makes it pretty likely that if we don't give him that, somebody will give him the four-year max. Of course. And I don't think that he is... I think there is a very specific line of how good you have to be to be willing to do those two-year bet-on-yourself deals um, or how not good you have to be to have to settle for it. And I think like Kyle Lowry took that three-year deal because nobody was giving him four. That's the problem. And there was not that much cap space. Like if we weren't giving it to him, then who was giving it to him? I think Butler is like right, is is below that line. I think those are guys like LeBron and KD. And if Steph chose to do it, like maybe the top six guys in the league would do that. And I don't think Butler's there. So I think if they pay him, he will... Um, I would love for them to get some sort of discount on him. Not not paying him $18 million a year, but even paying him $31 million a year or $32 million a year or something like that I think would be great, but I don't, I don't know that it's possible. Yeah, but I think, um, I think he's going to stay. I think he likes think he likes yeah, it. I, I think, think he's stay. the best teammate I've ever seen. Um. <laughs> um, two more. Um, how about this one from Tim? I'll just lean into the ship of Theseus vibe. Are you happier now or happy or, uh, or happier dreaming of something like this now a few years back? Uh, this, this is a clear answer for me, but I'm curious about what you're, you're, you're happier. You're happier dreaming about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't like the, 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 like the stress of this. I don't care if anybody, um, if I get attacked for this, I don't like this particular, and maybe it's because of how the last couple of years have gone. You know, maybe maybe if the Brian Colangelo thing that era never happens, and the like, if all of the, what's happened the last three years never happens, maybe I feel differently about being in this situation now. But the situation now just seems like more anxiety than it is fun for me. Now I enjoy it overall, um, but like the there was n- almost no anxiety then. Um, like aside from will Joel get healthy and but we could put those away for like months on end. You wouldn't even have to think about it. You would just imagine he was going to be healthy and things were fine. So, but I don't I don't think like usually the idea of something is way better than the reality of it anyway. 
you know, in, in almost every scenario, um, you know, whether it is a vacation or a meal at a great restaurant or whatever it is, thinking about it is usually better than the actuality of it. Yes. So, and if yeah. anything, and wasn't the, uh, 37 wins or 47 wins in three years, Sixers, just a nice vacation for us all. <laughs> How do you feel? Uh, I totally hear what you're saying. You know, I said the, the process, I think, I think I might romanticize it now. I romanticized it then also, but I, mm-hmm. I do think there were times when it was very frustrating and very, uh, aggravating, whether it was mm-hmm. watching, watching the team, which, uh, had its ups and downs or, uh, dealing with like the national media being horrendous or mm-hmm. the local media being horrendous. I did sort of like that we were all on the same team when that happened, though. Sure. Like, that when when the local when the national media would attack us, we all got our backs up and like sort of there was very little within the like fans of of our, our sort of fans, like the process people. Like there wasn't that much infighting about anything. There was only like the Okafor thing, and even the people who thought he was good knew he wasn't. Like deep down, anyway. So right. Um, I mean, it's like yeah. it's to put it, isn't it like. You know, when you're a band coming up, to put it in terms you'll understand, Spike, uh, when you're a band coming up and, like, everything's exciting and you're just, like, scrapping for everything and then you get the record deal or whatever and now you have to deal with all the... You have the success, but you have to deal with the personalities and the and the pressure and the whatever, all that stuff. Yeah. And it's... The, the, the chase and the ride is generally more fun. But also, I like winning. Winning's great. Yeah, winning's fun. Jimmy's great. It's fun. And yeah. watching Embiid play basketball when we didn't for many years is uh, is very rewarding. Uh, I like uh, Ben Simmons on the court and off the court. And uh, we, there's been some good guys. We've given Robert Covington's made a lot of money because of because of the process. I mean, I feel great. Everything's great. They're the they're they currently have the they're like a half game out of the second best record in the league. Like things are good. This is fun. Let's just like appreciate that as much as we can. Final question. It's really just a statement of fact. Uh, comes from Anthony. With the addition of Jimmy Butler, are the Sixers the most handsome team in the NBA? I say yes. Um, they're a good-looking team. I mean, uh, Ben is a good-looking guy. Um, Joel is a good-looking guy. Butler is a good-looking guy. Redick, in like if you if you're into that sort of thing, I guess is a good-looking guy. Um, I think you know, I think losing Cov hurts. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I think Corkmaz doesn't get enough credit for how handsome he is. Yep. Uh, Amir is always better looking than I expect him to be. Because Amir hear, is a good. You hear guy. you yeah. like I've you have the image of Amir in your head, and then you watch him and you're like, yeah, he's doing the things, kind of lumbering around occasionally, jumps off at of two feet and throws down a dunk, and then they show a close up and it's like, oh, he doesn't have like, he's not like aging. He's not like in his sixties. He's not like in his sixties. No, he's like thirty. Yeah, so he's still yeah. he's still a good looking guy. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Butler, very good looking guy. Landry Shamit, unfortunately, stop. Not stop. I I, we want, I wanted to stop this part of the pod before you brought up Shamit. Stop it. Um, all right, I was gonna wrap it up. Uh, do you like? I was gonna throw the mic in the middle of the table and talk to everybody that's here. Do you want to be part of that, or do you? No, wanna, I gotta go play basketball. Go? All right, go play basketball, um, and then you'll you'll know specifically how many points you scored next time. Absolutely. How's your how's your dick? How's your penis? Yeah, how's your dick? Dick's great. To know it. Uh, okay, it was right. a, there was some redness on the on the night of, but everything's fine. 
All right. Um, well, if you're listening to this podcast after Mike says the thing, uh, I'm going to have a, a bit of a group chat here at the table. Um, good luck in your game, Mike. Thank you. Uh, are, you are you down with TT? Yeah, you know Lakeface. All right. This is the, uh, the, the post version of the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast, the first time we've ever done this. I am at a table at Craig's house with his brother, Todd, and also with um, Ben and Mike. And wait, who left? Who left? You can. You guys can talk. Ben, 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 cousin Matthew's here. Ben, cousin cousin Matthew's here. Brian's here. Um, uh, so, um, so Todd, when I was raising money for the uh, Providence Animal Center Bark in the Park, I was sitting alone in Nashville, uh, as I am often sitting alone in Nashville, and I was thinking of ways to raise money. And I thought to myself, I, I thought about my YSP stuff. And oftentimes during our radiothons, we will do like live broadcasts somewhere and people will pay for it. So I said, well, I wonder, but it's different with the pod because Mike isn't here. So us recording a podcast at your house is me showing up with a laptop and a USB mic. Uh, but Todd um, and Craig decided to spend $1,000 to the Providence Animal Center to have this happen. So thank you guys. You can talk, talk. I yeah. mean, like this is for everybody. Uh, absolutely, it was an easy call. We, we weren't able to join the live, the live pod. So as soon as we saw the tweet go out, it was, the easy decision. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not an easy pod. decision. It's, it's an easy decision. It's a personal live pod. It's a personal live pod. For a good cause. Yeah. I mean, the tickets for a live pod were like $100 bucks, all you can drink. So yeah. these are like a little more. We yeah. got a few other people. Still all you can drink. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, and this is, you know, there were a thousand people, whatever, at the live pod. There's Like, this is a, a private thing. So while you, there's no Dario here. Um, we got Rebel. Rebel. You got, got Rebel. Rebel. Yeah. So Rebel, as I mentioned on the pod, as soon as he came in here. Now, the good thing is he has not barked, really. No. He's growled a few times. He's been okay. But within four minutes of being here, it took promptly took a dump on <laughs> Craig's I living mean, room I carpet. I mean, Dario wouldn't have pooped on my rug. He wouldn't have, right? right? <laughs> well, maybe he wouldn't. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> uh, the good thing about Rebel is that Rebel's... Uh, Number twos are very solid, and it was oh, easy yeah. to very, very solid. Um, so, how like can I get some context on like are you guys longtime pod listeners or like what? So we, we've been listening to pod from the very beginning, from so the very I, start, very start, longer than we should have, longer okay. than we should have. Um, wow. So it's always just thing we've always been listening to it. Especially I used to live in Philly, now I moved to New York, still yeah. listening to it. We have our crew there who all listens to it and. It was just one of those things where, you know, this is charity, great money, um, and it was just easy, <laughs> easy so decision. Yeah. It was an easy decision. And then it ended up, you know, with scheduling, it ended up being on my birthday, which made it even better. And I was able to get everybody together there, too. And I got a, a gift. Matt showed up, cousin Matt showed up with rights to Ricky Sanchez, like winner caps yeah. for everybody. <laughs> nice. uh, he will be getting a, a season desist in the mail. Uh, <laughs> it's as, like the Joel and Mead. It was, uh, yes. Well, uh, I will edit that you part out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, you know what? I figured I asked you guys. Uh, we were talking since, especially, well, and there's also a. I've, I put on the rights, or Kristen put on the rights to Ricky Sanchez Instagram, uh, Brian's tattoo that Ben Harris did of the the orchard and climbing a tree and the which is the best. I've seen a lot of like Sixers tattoos and process tattoos, and there's some good ones out there, but this is the best one because it is not like if you don't want to tell somebody it's a basketball tattoo, <laughs> it, it is one. Right yeah. yeah. Um, who was was the specific? 
because I remember talking to you last year at LL's holiday party about the ideas. Was this your idea or what? Yeah, this was my idea. I pitched, I asked you what you thought made more sense, whether it was the orchard or ship of Theseus. And you were like, oh, uh, we definitely do the orchard. Oh, but that means I can do ship of Theseus. That's ship of Theseus is awesome. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. All right, good. It turned out great. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. He's great. Uh, well, I'll, I'll post a, a photo of it on the uh, on the, the website for this pod. Um, so Mike and I were just talking about what it was like then compared to what it was like now. And the difference is, for me, um, I've been doing this the whole time. So my perspective is different. Like, I, it hasn't just been as a fan. It's been, like, helping to, like, build the community and, like, whatever. Is it better for you guys now or then? Ooh, that's a tough I, question. I, I, absolutely, for for me, it's it's back then was 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 much better. Oh really? Yeah, I loved it because you were in a small group. It was you were in a small group of people, and it was when trust the process. It was everybody you said trust the process was somebody listening to the pod. Yes, and, and it, it was you knew right away, so you could say you know trust the process and. It, yeah, now well, it's, you're right. It was like an elite club back then. <laughs> well, we yeah. were at the Hinky Jersey raising thing. Yeah, and that was the elite club right there. And now it's expanded far. And yeah, far. that I would say that was probably the last like moment. I don't know what the moment was, but like if you were there and you got it at that point, I think everybody now gets it. Yeah. Like even the people who weren't in on it sort of I understand so. like yeah. what we were talking about. But at that point, if you were at the hinky jersey raising and like like with a tear in your eye. Um, when the pick swapped. Yes. It didn't matter where they swapped to. <laughs> yeah. Once yeah. the pick swapped. Yeah. Like that, that, that trade was just like, if you understood that trade, yep. then then you're a part of it. And if you, if you don't, then... Yeah, yeah. That's how you tell if somebody doesn't understand it because when they talk about their trade, they're like, "Nick Stauskas isn't that good." I'm like, "You fucking idiot." There's the old tweet from I don't know if you can say this, but was it Sarah? Who's the reporter now? Oh, Sarah Todd. Who's, Sarah Todd. This is old tweets. Like she can never be a part of it. She didn't get the trade when it happens. Yeah. No matter what she does now, she will never be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. I, it was. I, I, uh, I, I do feel like to a certain degree, that time may have ruined me for this time. Like, I, I don't know if I can enjoy this in the same way that I would have enjoyed it um, if that time didn't happen. Like, it, I don't even, who was I forget who I was talking to. I was saying, like, I would rather not win a championship and do everything the right way than win a championship not doing everything the right way, which is, like, a fucking imbecilic way to look <laughs> yeah, at sports. Look at uh, but it, it is, I, that, that is what, the first few years of this did to me is they they made what I'm looking for out of sports different, which is why them being good, simply just being good is not, is fun, but is not like exactly what I was looking for, I guess. That's no, I, how I, I, feel. I, I fully agree. It's, you know, what are you trying to get out of this? And, yeah. and you know, winning championships is great, but the process is great too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll always have, I think AU wrote after the, um, the live pod about like how even the best teams like the Warriors never had like never has like had like this sort of group ever that still exists like there's even the the Light Years podcast or whatever is not doing like weirdo live like shows no. um, with weird speeches with inside jokes like this is a a very specific thing to this time that I don't think anyone Agreed. else has ever the Warriors had. were bad until they got good that's it right right that's like, all that's that happened that's yeah. all that happened we Something were fucking legends that's what we were legendary um, well thank you guys for doing it is there anything you want to plug I mean you work for some giant fucking company you don't need to plug that right <laughs> yeah. anyone 
official dentist of the process. Can I do that? Uh, for this pod, sure. <laughs> 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 Until somebody pays us for it, you're the official dentist of the process. Yeah. I don't, oh, we, we can thank Kramer's uniforms for the hats? Yeah, thank Where's Kramer's uniforms. Kramer's uniforms. And, cousin, uniforms. and Cousin Matthew for the hats? Yeah, Cousin Matthew for the hats. Thank you. Um, Stu Goldberg introduced it. me to Todd and introduced me to the pod, so that's two for, two for Stu. Yeah. Uh, anything else? But I have a question yeah. for you. What? Yeah. So I have like Knicks fans friends yeah. who like think that the process was like a total waste of time and we're like idiots and the Sixers are good now, but they don't yeah. really know how it happened. And I'm trying to convince them that they kind of processed too, but weren't as smart about it or as good at it. Right. Like they actually sucked forever as well, well they but not on purpose like, and didn't I mean, they trademark still, it. Hold on, they still <laughs> suck. Yeah, so right. did, aren't they kind of like a way worse version? Well, yeah, that that was the... Um, That's a good question. The biggest difference is that, like, if you do it smart, it's actually a shorter amount of time. That's what people, like, don't really... That That, that is the most significant difference, is that if you do this the right way, um, even, even with blown picks and all that sort of stuff, you will... The Sixers were only bad, really bad, for three years. Yeah. Right. I mean, really like, bad, though. Really, one year was one hundred percent on purpose. Yeah. Well, they were they, they were all they were yeah, all on like purpose. MBDL. Sure. But but like, look at the Knicks who have who have like, do they they've won playoff series wins since ninety eight or something? Do they? Didn't didn't the one, G- well, one mellow year I think. Yeah. yeah. Like a kid year <laughs> when they were really good. Yeah. Hang your head on a mellow year. Yeah. Yeah. And that so. So if you if you do it the right way and you you make all those right decisions around the margins and do you use every bit of um, of real estate that the NBA gives you to do it, then you will be. Like, I think it's funny that like that uh, David Silver thinks he got rid of tanking with it. Okay, so this is the first year of the the lottery smoothing, right? New lottery, and we have five teams that are probably going to win like twenty games. So yeah. so what? Explain to me, like, what is going, like, what good he did then. If the Knicks are fucking horrible, the Hawks are horrible, the Suns are horrible, like, I know I'm forgetting somebody, the Bulls are horrible. The Cavs are horrible. The Cavs are horrible. <laughs> so, like, what, what, like, what did we do? And the other know? thing is, it took away the ability to sell hope. Like, there's no way that you could have, well, I don't think yeah. you could have, we could have done what we did as a community if we were like, yeah, we have a 15% chance at the number one. Like, we right. were doing sustaining things, like, we were attaching our hopes to the future of having number one picks. And when you're like, oh, yeah, after three years, we might walk away with a five, a five, and a six. Like, right. you can't. Well, really we, I, I also think we showed that you can't just do it for like a year or two, right? Like no. you, look at, you look at the hit rate of these top picks, and there's the there's the Okafors and the uh, the Folds. The, the <clears throat> I don't want to say that. But, <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, the whole point. And that is, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, so your goal is, you know, to throw as much as you can at as many top talents as you can get, and you hope you you hope you find a Joel, you hope you find a Ben. Yeah. But there's a lot of Okafors out there. Yeah. That, well, that was, and the whole yeah. point was, is that your 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 hit rate on even the highest picks is it's, not going to be no. perfect. Yeah. So, well, thank you guys for having me out and for the thank generous you. donation. Yeah. And yeah. The, thank the you. Hats. Uh, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, Todd. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Yeah. Thanks, Todd. Happy birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's Todd's twenty eighth birthday. So happy happy twenty eighth birthday. Thank you. I brought him a T shirt that we gave away to people. <laughs> <laughs> The murderers there. That with the jail and we murdered the murderers there. Then with the hell and discovered the devil delivered some hurt and despair. Used to have powder to push. Now I smoke pounds of the push. Holy, I'm burning the bush. Now I give a fuck about none of this shit. Two runner over and out of this bitch. Step into the spotlight. Woo.
done is get done. I'm in a rush to be numb. Dropping a thousand ain't much. Come from the clouds on a missile to turn.